0: U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
1: Hey there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and A.J. Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno. You can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is A.J. Scholes, and you can follow him at A.J. Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. On today's pod, we're going to talk about the 14th week of the NHL season. We're just at the halfway mark, and as always, our aim is to identify the most added, most dropped players, as well as new roster opportunities and storylines around each team. You know, partner, before I bring AJ in, i got to talk to our whole listenership and say I'm smarting from a tough night for Toronto sports fans with the Leafs blowing a very late 2-0 lead and losing an OT to Columbus, and then flipping channels to see the Raptors almost blow their game in Brooklyn but lose star point guard Kyle Lowry with a back injury, and there's no news yet about how serious that injury might be. Such is the lot of an avid avid sports fan in in Toronto of late. Uh, Some good, some bad, and some uh, mysterious with the injury news. Anyway, uh, I welcome my partner, AJ, back to this week's pod. How are you doing, partner, and what's on your mind today?
0: Well, uh, this week I reached my initial fundraising goal for my 50-kilometer uh, cross-country ski race, the American Birkebeiner. Uh, but for me, that's no reason to stop now. Uh, hoping some of our podcast listeners can take a minute, head over to my Twitter account, at two 24 and click the link. I've got it pinned right there to the top of my account. Uh, support the fight against ALS, or uh, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. You know every dollar counts in in trying to find a cure, and providing supports to people who are are battling these disease. Uh, supports for you know their family for for them. Uh, so please consider joining uh, my support team for for this race. It will only take you just a minute. Like I said, every dollar counts. Five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you can do. Uh, I'd really appreciate that. Uh, before we kick off the rest of the show just remind our listeners that throughout the week if you have questions about your lineups fantasy hockey or just hockey in general you know if you want to ask Paul you know hey why did the Leafs lose what did you see in the game feel free to tweet those type of questions to us as well it doesn't have to be all fantasy although we certainly appreciate those questions as well Uh, as he mentioned you can follow me at AJScholes24 and you can follow Paul the Statsman at statsman 22
1: All right, uh, let's go through the 31 teams, pick out a storyline or two where we'll highlight a number of circumstances that evolve, just as we said they would, among other storylines. It seems like we're soothsayers uh, anticipating a lot of this stuff, AJ. (laughs) Uh, But we'll also point out there's a few teams that will be on their league-mandated buys this week, and that's something that uh, you'll see four or five teams each week going on a five-day break. So factor that into your weekly lineup setups, uh, Accordingly, we'll try and help you out. This week, for instance, Arizona, Colorado, Tor- uh, Toronto, and the Rangers are going to be doing the five-day break thing. A couple of teams are just coming off them as well, so uh, there are some thin nights on the schedule. Tonight we feature seven games. We'll get into that a little bit later. But we'll begin our talk with Anaheim Ducks. Uh, the third line has caught my attention here, AJ. When you consider that Nick Ritchie. Uh, Henrique and Perry are uh, paired together. That's a pretty good unit. I would have thought they might, you know, on other teams they might be a second unit, maybe even a first. Uh, that that is indicative of the uh, depth on this team when they're all hands on deck. And uh, I, the only thing I'm concerned about here. Uh, The way it's set up is the top two left-wingers in Vermette and Coliano, they've combined for a total of 34 points. You need more scoring than that out of your top liners, and uh, maybe there is some room to fix up the depth uh, on the Ducks, even though they have no injuries right now.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting uh, kind of formation they have going here because... You had, there are definitely, to your point, Paul, concerns about the left wing where you've got Vermette, Cogliano, even Richie, uh, hasn't necessarily been, you know, a lights out player either. Uh, he hasn't scored, uh, for, for quite a while. Uh, in fact, his last goal was November 25th, mm-hmm. but then you look at the right side and you've got Rackle, Silverberg and Perry. Now Perry's coming off that injury, uh, just returning to action, uh, over the weekend, after you know a stint on the sideline so you don't it's hard to say exactly what you're going to get from him but it's just interesting to see this team have so many question marks on one side and then solid uh players on the other side you have to imagine if the left wing doesn't sort itself out you might see a Jakob Silverberg move over to the left side of, of that top line perry could certainly go up there um but i do like to your point paul about having richie Henrik perry as a third line i mean That definitely, uh, you know, you send that down to Arizona and that's your top line immediately for sure.
1: (laughs) That's right. And speaking of Arizona, Nick Jelmerson has been sidelined by an upper body injury for most of the last two months, but should be back in the lineup for the Yotes next game on January 12th bringing much-needed stability to this floundering group. Uh, But they do. this is a team you can't really discount outright. When you look at a couple of hot players that I'll point out, Derek Stepan, who's their first-line center, has eight points in his last ten games, and Christian Fisher, a young guy with a great upside. He has four goals in his last eight games with much more ice time now that he's moved up to the second line at right wing. So a couple of players to watch in the mix in Arizona.
0: One, you know, it's only two games, so it's hard to jump on him, you know, on that train right away. But Anti Ranta has given up just three goals uh, in his last two games. Now, the problem with this team and, you know, it's something we've talked about is there's not just one quick fix that they need, one spot that they could address and suddenly they'd be better because one of those losses was an overtime loss in which he gave up just one goal. He only faced 25 shots. So you've got a, a defense that was looking good. Uh, In front of him, you've got, uh, you know, his solid net minding, and yet he allows just one goal and they still lose the game. So I think it's just indicative of all of, you know, the problems with this team and really stresses the importance of finding those key guys. There's always, regardless of how bad any of the teams are, there's always somebody that you can pick out. You know, Paul highlighted a couple of them there. Uh, And so you really need to key in on those. But for me, it's not going to be the goalies just because even when they do well, they're not necessarily going to get a win.
1: Yeah, the run support is necessary in hockey just like it is in baseball, and they're just not getting it right now. In Boston, the big line is humming, scoring more than any other line in the league of late, but Patrice Bergeron suffered a small cut to his right knee when blocking a shot last time out. Rumor is that he should be okay for the next game coming up on Saturday, something they'll have to consider in coming weeks, though is uh, what to do on the back end in the Nets with Anton Kudobin, AJ. He's a pending UFA with an expiring $1.2 million cap hit, and he has a 9-2-3 record with a 237 goals against and a 935 save percentage. You look at all those numbers and think, why isn't this guy starting? Well, there's a fellow named Tuka Rask who's playing incredibly well all season long and just posting the same kind of numbers. So I expect Kudobin to bolt at the end of this season, and you wonder if... Maybe the, the Bruins take a look at their lineup and say they're poised for a nice playoff run. Maybe they augment their setup elsewhere. And you don't forget that they have some depth in the system in goal. Zane McIntyre is next in line, and he's been up here before.
0: Yeah, the, my only question uh, is what they would try and get uh, for Qdobin. Now, there's certainly some some spots that they might need a little bit of help, but you know they've got a third line of Danton Heinen. Riley Nash, David Backus. So they don't need a ton of forward depth uh, that they would need to add. The The blue line is OK. You know, that might be where they target. Um, but this isn't a team with some glaring needs where it's like clear to say, oh, yeah, if they trade Kudobin, they'll get, you know, a, a second pairing defenseman. That's absolutely what they need and what they can get for him. So if they decide to move him, which I'm not sold, they will. I, I kind of feel like they'll just ride it out. And see what happens in the off-season. But if they decide to move them, it'll be interesting to see what they can get back for them. Uh, just because there aren't those, you know, those clear indicators of what they might want.
1: Uh, with the Buffalo Sabres, again, a team that, like Arizona, you might want to discount, but uh, you look at some of the possibilities here. Jason Pominville, he started the season off on fire, but went into a funk, and he slapped, uh, snapped a 10-game scoreless streak recently with three points over his last three games all on the road, while now playing on the top line again with O'Reilly and Kane. That's a pretty good unit to find yourself on, isn't it? And moving on defense, you got uh, Scandella moving to the top, pairing with Bristol Lane, and we pointed that out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, he's got five points in his last eight games AJ after producing only seven in his first 34 games so the benefit of having uh, a very good skill player alongside him has certainly bumped up his total as we predicted it would
0: yeah and we always talk about trying to find players that are going to take on new roles uh, due to injuries and one guy who's gotten called up and is going to go into the lineup is Brendan Gooley Uh, You know, it might be an unknown quantity to to some of our listeners out there. He's only got three NHL games under his belt, but this season for uh, the AHL Rochester affiliate, he's got seven goals, 13 assists in 35 games, uh, 14 penalty minutes there as well, a plus four rating. This is a guy that when he was in the WHL was able to contribute offensively. He's done that in the minors this season as well. So uh, I'd like to see, you know, you might want to consider taking a flyer on him and just seeing what he can add for you. You know, the the injury to uh, uh, Antipin is going to kind of open the door. This club hasn't been sold on Georges and Falk all season long. Those guys continue to get scratched. So so Gooley is going to get a look and might be worth, uh, you know, fantasy owners considering uh, picking him up or, or utilizing him. Uh, just for that kind of contrarian, uh, you know, out there pick a little bit. I actually like it. It might not be a bad option, although maybe not tonight in terms of uh, fantasy.
1: Over in Calgary, A.J., I've soured on T.J. Brody almost completely. He's been a minus player once again and has seen his scoring totals dry up, producing only two assists in his last 15 games. Much more was expected of him. I say I said to punt him several weeks ago and feel the same today. The uh, On the other hand, the experiment of tough guy Michael Ferland on their top line has been a great success. He's poured 17 goals in already, and it may also be the impetus to moving another toughie, Uh, Troy Brower onto the top, uh, second-line right-wing situation. He scored there before. Uh, Sad that they're working on an exit plan for Yager, i got to say that, who is not fitting in over here. You wonder where, where this future Hall of Famer might wind up, or is this the end of the line here? I know you probably have a soft spot for him too, A.J.,
0: Yeah, I I have to imagine that this is this is probably going to be it in the NHL. Uh, You know, with how long it took for him to sign with the club, I have to imagine there weren't a ton of offers coming in. Um, You know, injuries have clearly played a part, um, but you have to wonder if there's something else going on here as far as, you know, trying to get out of Dodge. Uh, You know, the idea of the Olympics was thrown out there, but Yager has kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of. Uh, pooh pooed on that a little bit for lack of a better term uh, you know he hasn't really uh, wanted to do that at least from what he said now I know you're trying to be nice Paul and don't want to rub it in so I'll just throw it in quickly uh, Mike Smith three wins in his last three games uh, looking uh, like he's in Uh, A little bit of an upswing right now. We'll see how long that lasts, but uh, I'll I'll, I'll take the shot myself this time, Paul, and and won't have you uh, (laughs) rub it in for me.
1: (laughs) Nice. That one was easy. Good one. Uh, Carolina, Justin Williams' scoring has dropped off dramatically with only three assists in his last 10 games, and now he finds himself in a third-line role, so that's kind of a tough situation. They paid good money to get him over there and just not returning uh, the productivity and been passed in the depth chart, so adjust her lineups in consideration of him accordingly. In the nets, we uh, I've boosted Cam Ward, and he's flat out won the starting job over Scott Darling. You got to say that uh, something I forecast a long time ago. Uh, one bad start by Ward may have cost him. Uh, In the last outing, but uh, Darling was way worse in relief during the same game. So I don't think Ward has done himself any disservice with that unfortunate start the other day. And I expect him to get the lion's share of the work in the foreseeable future here, too, which uh, is not a shock to me.
0: Yeah, it, it, you know, I talked about Ward being a a trade candidate all season long because he has this kind of talent. I think that's probably gone out the door at this point. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about this defense as well. You know, other than Noah Hannafin, who's got seven goals, 14 assists, uh, this is really uh, a blue line that cannot add much offensively. You've got Slavin and Falk both at 11. That's a pretty significant drop off. And then after that, none of these guys have, you know, double digit points. And that's saying a lot you know, for, for a group that's supposed to have, you know, Justin Falk is supposed to be up there. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk is is supposed to be kind of a contributor as well. And really it's just, you know, coming from the 20 year old Noah Hannafin, uh in, in a bit of surprise, but even he has kind of tailed off a little bit with just two assists in his last seven games. Uh, so this blue line really, uh, I think is going to be what ultimately probably prevents Carolina from getting into the playoffs uh, when all comes set at the end of the season.
1: And in Chicago, they've made some roster shuffling moves up front and on the blue line. I'll we'll talk about a couple of players that factor in. Vinny Stroza now finds himself on the first line and he's been on a bit of a scoring streak with two goals and five assists since returning to the lineup 5 games ago, so a guy that you can consider both in daily and in season-long right now just because of where he finds himself. At the same time, Jordan Osterley has found a comfort zone on the first D pairing with Duncan Keith. Again, it's something we forecast a while ago. He's got three goals, two assists in his last five games, along with a spike in playing time that comes with going on the number one pairing. And, I mean, sure, there's some people that couldn't be... Feel good about Jeff Glass' promotion into the goalie mix, but uh, this team's in trouble without Corey Crawford in the Nets, and he's still out indefinitely. That's the biggest concern they have in Chicago, where it's going to be a struggle for them to make the playoffs if they don't get him back in good order quickly.
0: Absolutely, and and one other concern has to be the production of uh, Richard Panic. He's got, you know, last season 44 points in, in 82 games, spent a lot of that in a top-six role, uh, playing with some of their other talented guys here. But, you know, he's found himself uh, not only relegated to a fourth-line role when he's in the lineup, but he's been scratched in five of the last 11 games. Uh, he was flipping with uh, with Hayden for a while, but they've even sent Hayden down uh, due to his struggles, John Hayden, that is, and called up to, uh, Tomas Yurko, uh, who will get a look. Now, Yurko's having a pretty solid campaign in the minors right now he had 3 goals in his last 4 games with uh, their AHL affiliate there so it'll be interesting to see if they work him into a lineup or not uh, i definitely think they should uh, you know and and panic might be a player that needs you know somewhere else to go now Paul you saw him in Toronto for for a year there but he didn't do much while he was there and even before that in Tampa Bay was pretty limited so uh, that one season really looking more like an outlier Uh, than an indication of of where he can be as a player
1: no question about it he frustrated me to no end when he was with the Leafs that one season as you suggested I know you've had your eye on the Colorado goaltending situation with Varlamov out nursing a lower body injury Jonathan Bernier has really stepped up uh, though AJ and he's won his last four starts surrendering a total of only five goals against so he's a goalie to watch maybe we're going to see a flip in terms of the ongoing role even when Varlamov returns there based on this recent hot streak you also, I gotta give you credit for your uh, thumbnail on J- Samuel Gerard, Gerard when he was traded over here. You thought he might be a person of interest. Well, look what he's done of late—five points in his last five games. I give you credit, AJ, for finding this guy and uh, touting him as uh, far back as you did. Because right now, he looks like a key part of what they're trying to do on the defensive side of the puck here in Columbia, Colorado.
0: Well, I, I have to say, while, while I looked at you know his tools and his assessment, I did get a little bit of help from the fact that Tyson Berry has been out uh, with that hand injury Uh, with him in the lineup, you know, Garrard was starting to be on the edge. Uh, They, you know, didn't actually sit him for any games, but it it looked like he might, his minutes were down. In fact, in one game he played uh, less than in a couple games, he played less than 12 minutes, which you don't normally see for a defenseman. Uh, So I I guess I'll give Tyson Berry the assist on that call uh, for opening the door for Samuel Garrard. And other than that, this team, you know, needs to get healthy. Uh, Barry Varlamov, you've got Andrew Ghetto day to day with an injury. JT Comfair is on IR. Uh, so they, they're pretty banged up right now. Uh, and so I don't think we thought of them potentially as a playoff team, but they are right there uh, in the hunt for a wild card, could even creep up to, to top three in the center, although that's going to be very hard with the talent there. Um, But this has actually become a wildcard team, but I think they need to get back to being healthy as soon as possible if they're going to pull that off.
1: In Columbus, we are talking about a depleted forward depth uh, that has led to some line shuffling. They're missing three regulars of late. Uh, Scoring has also dropped off to the point where they've tallied two or less in six of the last eight (laughs) games before last night. Lucas Sedlak uh, is seeing more minutes uh, as a second-line center, might be a player to watch as long as the other guys are still on the shelf, but he needs to do better than the two points in his last eight games. I know he picked up another helper last night in the victory over the Leafs. They need to get, above all, more consistent goaltending from Bobrovsky, but he might be finding his groove of, of late. Uh, he's got seven goals against in his last four games. That's a pretty good start to a good streak. He was looking very good against the Leafs last night, kept, uh, kept the team in the game before they rallied late to win that one.
0: Yeah, I'm a little surprised they didn't go with uh, Jonas Corposalo uh, in that one. He's been a bit of a leaf killer, as you've seen, throughout his, uh, throughout his career. Uh, so, you know, there was a chance they were going to give him a look. The one other thing I don't like about that is that they went with Bobrowski in back-to-back nights. Uh, I think they have another back-to-back coming up around the corner, so it'll be interesting to see what they do there as far as the net minding. Uh I obviously Bavaraski is their clear number one but you can't have him going every single night in my opinion and then yeah Paul to your point the the injuries on on the forward uh, lines have really stretched things uh to the point where you know we're seeing a lot of younger guys playing for them and guys that are getting shuffled down to the minors every couple of days to play a game down there then they get called back up uh and I I just don't think that's good Uh, for the you know for the current season it might be good for development of those players um, but to see to add that additional travel between the minors and the the NHL uh, is just going to wear these guys out and I think it really will become a problem if they pick up any more injuries and now suddenly these these guys who are tired from all this shuffling have to get into an NHL game
1: Yeah, That's a key point. Over in Dallas, it seems there's a revolving door on the wing to compliment Ben and Sagan. Right now, Brett Ritchie is next up, getting the chance. This could be a good fit, though, as he plays a very physical game and will be cast in a puck retrieval possession role that has worked out for several lines elsewhere in the league. So uh, I'll be keeping an eye on Ritchie to see if he can get a few goals and points to stay on that unit for any length of time. On the blue line, Mark Mathot played one game after a long absence, but is back on the shelf again. With a recurrence of the injury, it's, it's something he's going to have to get over with sooner or later, but, but uh, I think he probably takes advantage of the current break that's coming up in the Stars' schedule, and he'll, his eventual return will certainly be something that Brian Bishop looks forward to because you know he's going to help on the defensive side of the puck and play well in front of the, the tall goalie.
0: Well, fortunately, Bishop hasn't really needed the help of late. He's got six wins and two losses in his last eight games with a 1.74 goals against average. Uh, That includes a pair of shootouts against some pretty tough competition. Uh, He blanked the Blackhawks as well as the San Jose Sharks uh, over that stretch. Now, you know, when they've they've mostly kept uh, the shots against uh, down he did have 42 shots faced against the New Jersey Devils, which still boggles my mind that we're talking about an offensive New Jersey team. But that, more on that to come. Uh, but I, I do think uh, he's handled it well. And if they can be this good without Mathot in there, I can only imagine how much better they'll be uh, limiting goals once they get him back.
1: In Detroit, Tyler Bertuzzi was called up seven games ago and has been installed on the top line, AJ, where he's played over 16 minutes a game on average and produced four points. That's a pretty good start to what they hope is a lengthy run there for uh, yet another young player who's cracked the lineup up front. A veteran, though, on the blue line gets my uh, other look, though. Mike Green uh, will be heavily scouted in advance of the trade deadline, I'm sure, because of his expiring contract and impending UFA status and a scoring pace that's better than we've seen out of him for the last seven years so he's having a good season at the right time for him and maybe for the red wings who hope to capitalize and when it comes to the trade deadline there should be a heavy bidding for this guy's trade services i think
0: well another player who's hitting his stride uh right now is dylan larkin you know he has uh, uh, had some struggles periodically seems to be somewhat of a hot and cold player, uh, but right now he's got 11 points in 11 games, uh, you know, two, uh, power play points over that stretch as well, a shorthanded goal. Uh, and so everything seems to be clicking his shots on goal are, are nice and high. It's 31 over that stretch. So that's, you know, a little under three per game. Uh, so I like what he's starting to offer, uh, in terms of his tools and his abilities, Uh, we've kind of been waiting for this for for a while you know not that he's had bad seasons 45 points in his rookie year 32 last year but he's already up to 34 this season now the goals aren't coming quite as quickly as they have in the past but his assists are already at a career high and I would expect him to push for 50 to 60 points uh, the rest of the way and reach some other career highs although goals I don't think will be one of them.
1: In Edmonton last year, many people scoffed when I said you could make a real case that Cam Talbot was actually the club's real MVP. This season, his numbers have gone way up, and the team is four games below 500, and will soon be considered, if they aren't already, a long shot to make the playoffs. So again, I'm, I'm pretty confident about the case that I made last year and just how valuable this guy was when he was playing well and how much of a concern now that he's not so, doing so well. It may have been prompting, prompting them to pick up Al Montoya, who's been a very good backup wherever he's played before, to give some of the load to him because Talbot has shouldered most, much of it in the last few seasons over in Edmonton. <coughs> we'll have to see how they deployed Montoya going forward, but I think Talbot gets more arrest than he has in the last little while. All hands are on deck up front and they need to start a streak as soon as possible, you have to wonder when Connor McDavid only has four assists in his last seven games, that's a bad time for him to get into a slump, and uh, their captain has to get it in gear and lead this squad out of the doldrums.
0: Absolutely, and one interesting aspect of of the move to bring in Montoya, they had to put uh, Laurent Brossois on uh, waivers in order to move him down on the minors. I'm a little surprised nobody took a look at him. Uh, You know, he's certainly hasn't been as good this season as he has been uh, in past relief appearances, but this is a solid young netminder in my opinion. And I'm a little surprised nobody, you know, decided to pick him up off the waiver wire there to kind of bolster their, their backup situation. Uh, You know, a a couple of teams would come to mind, you know, the Florida Panthers, yes, they're going to get Luongo back here at some point. Um, But, you know, to borrow Brossois for a little bit, uh, instead you know to relieve the pressure on James Reimer might have been a good decision Detroit's dealing with Howard being injured although I know they like Jared Corio and probably should with good reason so a, a couple uh, possible landing spots that I think he could have been a good fit so interesting to see nobody wanted to to take a look at him
1: in Florida Evgeny Dadenoff has been returned to first right wing status and has immediately seen his playing time go up while collecting assists in his last two games. We'll keep an eye on him to see if he holds on to that role because it too has seen a number of players in that spot. That move happened because Scott Bukestad cooled off lately. He had the role for a while there, but has cooled off with only three assists and a reduced shots on goal rate over his last seven games that led to to his switch off that line. In goal, Harry Sateri is expected to be on the main roster for the rest of January, backing up Reimer before Luongo is, is slated to return in goal. You have to think he's going to get a shot soon because Reimers played almost mi- every minute in Bobby Lou's absence. That's quite a workload for him. On defense, Mike Matheson has been a, a bit of a revelation, AJ, with a recent scoring surge while partnered with Ekblad. It's another one of those top pairings that we're seeing two offensively-minded players put together, and it's benefiting the new guy again in this instance.
0: Yeah, I definitely like that, that pairing, um, you know, it, it gives a a different look. I, I think Matheson has been maybe miscast, uh, in some, you know, previous pairings with this club. So it'll be interesting to watch how they go forward with it. And your point about Reimer just can't be overstated. You know, he's appeared in, uh, 16 consecutive games, seven wins over that stretch, five losses, another four losses in overtime. Uh, So definitely facing a heavy workload. Now, uh, his goals against average is decent, 2.53, save percentage 0.927 over that stretch. So he's holding up well at this point. But uh, yeah, and there's, you know, a handful of uh, there's uh, two at least back to backs over that stretch uh, when he's, you know, taking both games. And yeah, you have to imagine the wear and tear is going to get to him. I, I have to wonder if they thought maybe the Luongo injury wasn't going to be quite as long as it has been. So they figured, ah, eh, we'll just ride it out. Once the Luongo comes back, Reimer will be on the bench anyway. Uh, and so I, I wonder if it's taken a little bit longer for the 38 year old to get back to a hundred percent.
1: In Los Angeles, Jake Muzzin was placed on the IR on the sixth, but he's very likely not to miss any action at all before the club's next game, because the Kings are in the middle of their break too. And, uh, it's unfortunate for him because he's collected three points in his last four games. The offensive side of his game catching up with the block shots and hits that I pointed out a week ago, making him a pretty good package if you're uh, looking for help on your blue line in fantasy leagues. Adrian Kempe up front is locked into the second line role between two good offensive players in Gabrick and Toffoli and has three points in his last four games. That means he's worth a look to me as he uh, has both hands on, on a pretty good hold on this position right now.
0: Well, another player worth a look is going to be Drew Doughty for me. Uh, Six points in his last nine games, 20 shots on goal. Uh, So again, a little over two per game. And that's really, you know, a little bit higher would be better. Uh, He does see some power play, a significant amount of power play time. Has just nine uh, points with the man advantage despite averaging you know, 312 of ice time over the season in that role. Uh, he's also out there in shorthanded situations. So he's going to see a heavy, heavy workload. You know, one of the bigger uh, number uh, minutes eaters in the league, 20 over 27 minutes a game. So, you know, he's going to get his opportunities uh, and, and definitely, I think, you know, can get uh, can offer some decent value, especially in daily contests. Uh, his you know price tag tends not to be quite as high as guys you might see you know the headmans uh, and whatnot and offers you know pretty good chance of putting one in the back of the net
1: in minnesota zach parise has three games under his belt to start his season with three shots on goal in each tilt uh, but has otherwise been limited to only one assist i think it's a matter of time before this guy gets going uh, he's paired with quality centers he has t- two good options here when healthy Miko koivu Dealing with the flu right now. Meanwhile, Mikael Grandland has nine points in his last eight games, too. So that's a pretty good uh, winger combination there. Uh, If they spread them out or put them on the same line, at least they've got scoring they can count on from other than the pivots here. Nino Niederreiter is another guy with an offensive upside. He came off the IR with a bang, recording a hat-trick recently. Having this trio active together for the first time all year should be a real boost to this offense, AJ. I said uh, Koivu might not even play tonight because of the flu, so keep an eye on his status heading into this evening's game. Otherwise, uh, Coyle and Eric Sinek could see more time in the top six role if Koivu is out of the lineup this evening.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, how they like to shuffle things around you know, I I think based on practice, they would move Erickson Eck into a center uh, position as part of this shuffle. Uh, And so, you know, that, that brings up, uh, you know, Chris Stewart would factor into the lineup uh, again, you know, he's been in and out ever since, you know, he had that hot start to the season, uh, but he's pointless in his last uh, six games. Didn't even play in the the two most recent outings, uh, but that would force him back into the lineup. Uh, So, you know, one, minor you know flu bug can really stretch uh the forward depth force guys into new roles some in a good situation i think erickson eck uh, could produce if he gets that that top six uh responsibility but if he doesn't you know it could be charlie Coyle instead and it really stretches things out here uh important to watch what's going to happen you're going to want to watch on rotowire both the depth charts uh, how that shuffles around, as well as the injury page to see you know, whether Koivu is or is not starting. Really important factors that need to go into to your lineups, both season-long and daily, heading into tonight's contest.
1: And AJ, in Montreal, the fans are going apoplectic here. Jonathan Drouin's struggles continue, and that's not newsworthy anymore, is it, though? This guy's been struggling for so long, it's just the same old, same old. He's on a line with Alex Galchenyuk, maybe they can call it the doghouse line, though at least the Russian <laughs> winner has seven points in his last few games. So maybe he's finding his way uh, so, uh, to the net a little bit more effectively and could bring his other struggling partner along with him. Following a successful stint in the World Junior Championships, Victor Mete returns to the blue line mix, and they hope they, hope they can get some offense out of him because they have written off Shea Weber until after the All-Star game and will co- give an update on his status at that point. So he's going to be lost for a while there, the linchpin on the blue line.
0: Well, I'm going to write off this team entirely. And uh, at this point, that's largely due to the fact that, you know, with the Montoya trade, guess who their backup goalie is for the rest of the season at this point? Uh, I, I, well, that's not true. They could call up Charlie Lindgren, who had some decent outings earlier in the year. But Ante Niemi still looking for that first win of the season, uh, has played sparingly for them. You know, they're going to ride price pretty heavy. I was a little surprised by the move. Uh, to to get rid of Montoya Uh, you know Price had kind of been struggling he had four losses in a row Uh, but back-to-back wins kind of seems like he's back on track Uh, but yeah to go Niemi full-time as a backup not necessarily the right call in my opinion Uh, and I think is really going to hurt this team in the long run it sounds like they might be uh, throwing in the the towel at this point on on the season
1: in Nashville, we anticipated the return of Ryan Ellis, and he hasn't disappointed. He's moved into a pairing with Roman Yossi, and he's already got a goal and an assist and six shots on goal in the short time that he's been back in the lineup. I think it's two games played. I anticipated a slowdown that would correspond for Matthias Ekholm, who's been on a career-best pace, and he's now scoreless in his last 10 games, despite the fact that he's aligned with P.K. Suban. Up front, Pontus Aberg has been in and out of the lineup, and unproductive over the Preds' last ten games, our intel suggests that he may get a shot on the top line to get on track. So we'll keep an eye on him, and uh, it could be worth a shot in the dark if you're looking for a guy who's a tournament play.
0: Well, it's really interesting. You know, I agree with with your call that Ekholm would you know see a little drop of production. Uh, But it's interesting that that doesn't seem to have affected PK Subban at all. He's got 13 points in his last 12 games. Six of those have come on the power play. So that's, you know, that's boosting it a a little bit. Obviously, uh, you know, 31 shots on goal over that stretch. And even, you know, some of the ancillary stats, you know, PK Subban's really seen as this offensive minded guy. Uh, But if you're in leagues that counts hits and block shots, he definitely can help out there as well. He's got 62 hits on the season, 38 block shots. You know, it's not astronomical numbers. It's obviously not what he's known for, Uh, but to have such an offensively minded player that can chip in, in those other areas is really helpful. uh, As I'm sure all of his fantasy owners know at this point. And then to your call about Pontus Aberg, I really think this, uh, this guy's got a lot of talent, but it seems that, you know, he just can't figure out how to translate it to the NHL level. Uh, And I I imagine that moving up to the top line could help, uh, but I'm not really sold. I think that top spot's going to be in flux until they can get Philip Forsberg back.
1: When we talk about New Jersey, we've talked a lot of positive terms about Jesper Bratt, uh, but he might be on the verge of playing himself out of a top six role as his shots on goal rate has dropped with only two shots on goal over the past four games in total. Time will soon tell if he's hit the rookie wall, but maybe that's a factor here. Jimmy Hayes and Drew Stratford are healthy scratches who have been out of lineup for a few games. They might get into the lineup soon if his slump continues. They're also shortening their forward complement by using seven defensemen a lot of late. One guy who stood out for me is Steve Santini. He's factoring in with a heavy dose of hits and blocked shots on a nightly basis, ranking among the league leaders in both categories while logging top pairing minutes with Andy Green so if you're looking for a guy who not necessarily hitting the score sheet but gets involved with block shots and factoring with some shots on goal he could help you as an outlier pick in your daily fantasy picks
0: a couple of weeks ago we talked about uh Brad outperforming Heischer uh and that narrative has flipped of late you know you outlined it Brad's struggles well Nico Heischer's got uh three goals and two assists in his last six games uh and is you know firing the puck. Conversely, he's got 17 shots on goal over that stretch. And so it really uh, has kind of flipped. Obviously they'd like to get both of these guys going. They're playing together on that top line with Taylor hall. This really should be a very, very potent top line. uh, If all three guys can kind of get going at the same time, we haven't really seen that yet. uh, At this point, it allows them to have Marcus Johansson, Travis Zajac and Kyle Palmieri as that second line. From there, this team gets a little stretched from me, uh, a little thin, but they're finding ways to win, finding ways to score goals. Uh, they are definitely getting help from their blue line and guys like Will Butcher putting up a couple points here. Sammy Vatanen has obviously chipped in uh, a little bit as well. And so it's, you know, they're kind of firing on all cylinders here uh, as far as forwards and defensemen, but you really want to see that top line start gelling more and get all of them on the same page.
1: The New York Islanders AJ are on a five-day break, and it's, so it's tough to get a read on the severity of a couple of injuries that were reported recently to Andrew Ladd and Josh Bailey, two top six forwards. Uh, so an extended absence for either of these guys would be a tough lo- blow to their chances. That's on top of recent news that suggests Calvin DeHaan on the blue line faces se- season-ending shoulder surgery, and Johnny Boychuk is not – now not expected to be back until after the all-star break leaving the islanders very thin everywhere all of a sudden so a lot of pressure on two goalies that have really struggled as well maybe the bottom's about to fall out on the island once again
0: well it shouldn't come as a surprise with uh you know those blue liners injured that you you highlighted that halak has faced just a ton a ton of pucks lately uh over his last uh eight outings he's faced 35 plus shots uh, uh every single night uh three of those outings have been 40 plus including his most recent one uh now he did get come away with the win but faced 46 shots on goal uh gave up four uh like I said he did get a win so you know at least uh you know got some offensive help there but if if the Islanders can't limit the shots here uh it's going to just get worse You know, uh, I haven't looked super recently, but in the past weeks, they've been one of the top teams in goals for, while also being one of the top teams in goals against. Uh, That's not a recipe for long-term success, especially, you know, if guys hit cold slumps or to your point, Paul, they start picking up injuries on, on the, the forward lines. I think if this team wants to make a playoff run, they're going to have to do something to bolster that, that defensive core.
1: The New York Rangers, AJ, have only scored 11 goals in their last seven games. That's not even good by soccer standards, <coughs> let alone the NHL. So if if you're looking for a consistent scorer here, his name is Matt Zuccarello. He's once again on pace for a third straight 60-point season, and he's come back from illness in recent days back into the fold. So they need him to fire up this offense that's shooting blanks of late. They've tried... Yeah. They've tried another smallish forward in David Darnay in a top-six role, but his shots on goal is so low, and he's been properly moved back into a third-line role. So one little guy moves up, one little guy moves out, uh, down rather. And a big guy, Rick Nash, is now up to 10 games in his scoreless streak, which is only slightly worse than a number of other forwards here. It's a collective malaise, but there are a couple of guys who are big-time offenders right now, not putting their names on the score sheet of late.
0: Well, I think Mika Zibinejad starting to shake off uh, uh, his, uh, his slump. Now he missed uh, a pretty good chunk of time with that concussion. His first six games back, no points. Uh, His minutes were pretty low compared to his season average uh, just under 16. Whereas he normally averages 18, but in his last three games, those minutes have crept back up uh, and he's got two goals to show for it. Uh, To your point, Paul, obviously, you know, you can't have just two guys in, in Zabinajad and Zuccarella carrying all of the offense, uh, but maybe getting him uh, going will be a step in the right direction for this club to get back on track. Uh, they have all the tools, in my opinion, to be a consistent team. Uh, they just haven't put it together and uh, hopefully they will soon for, for the Rangers fans out there.
1: With regards to Ottawa, I don't believe we've talked enough about Mark Stone this season, AJ. He's easily been their best player and uh, rebounded from his own mini slump, slump uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's got 15 points in his last 12 games, and he's back on a point-per-game pace, which puts him 10 points ahead of any other teammate, and even more than that ahead of any other forward on this team. Apart from him, we see that their two top centers, Broussard and Duchesne, and a pair of blue liners, Oduya and CC are doubtful for tonight's game due to injuries and the flu bug. So keep an eye on our roster grid to see just who's healthy enough to play for Ottawa tonight in the first of back-to-backs where they host Chicago tonight and then they travel to Toronto tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it, it, if all of those guys miss, uh, I'm not sure that they they have enough, uh, you know, talent uh, at, at their AHL affiliate to really fill in here. I mean, you're talking about their top two centers, as you pointed out. The one uh, kind of... Uh, benefit is they might be able to get Mark Borowicki back from that concussion. Uh, But, you know, that's still questionable. You know, they have other guys that are out as well. Nate Thompson, who would easily fill in uh, for some of those center, uh, you know, injuries if he was available. Uh, And so really, you know, yesterday, the kind of news came out that all of these guys were doubtful for the game. And uh, particularly with Duchesne, I think it's poor timing. Uh, We talked about his struggles in the, in the move to Ottawa, but he's got four points in his last two games. Looked like maybe he was starting to find some rhythm again. Those are points against top talented teams, San Jose and Tampa Bay, uh, where he accrued those points. And so to, to see him kind of start getting it going and then have this flu bug hit, I think it's just really bad timing.
1: With Philadelphia after a lengthy scoreless streak, Travis Connectney has produced five points in his last six games. At least part of that stretch has coincided with his recent move to the top line with Couturier and Giroux. At the same time, Wayne Simmons has been moved down to the third line to give some length to this offense, which has been a bit of a problem most of the season. He's hoping to pick up uh, Nolan Patrick and spark him in a low-pressure role that will be good for this malign top rookie draft pick that I hope for better days for him because it's been a struggle so far this year.
0: Well, despite his record 3-2 in his last five games, I'm seeing some red flags on Brian Elliott right now uh, when you look into it. Over that five-game stretch, he's given up three or more goals uh, in each of those games, and it's not for like a high level of shots Uh, Two of those were 27 shots. The other two were 31 shots faced. And then obviously he gave up the four goals on just 14 shots faced against Pittsburgh before getting the hook. And so uh, the team has been bailing him out, you know, uh, two of these, you know, two uh, wins with three plus one win with four goals against. uh, And so I I have some serious concerns. You know, the red flags here are, uh, you know, flying for me. And so if they need, you know, he got a night off, uh, but it was part of a back to back. Michael Neuver stepped in there. I I think Brian Elliott is going to be the key to this team. Uh, And maybe Neuver earned himself a few more looks. You know, he gave up just one goal on 31 shots. It was against Buffalo, who is a a bottom of the league team. So we'll see what happens here. But there's definitely reason to to monitor this situation and, and to be concerned if you're a Brian Elliott owner.
1: Partner, I got to get marks for giving the heads up about Daniel Sprong last week. He tallied three points in a game against the Islanders and looked very confident in a tough matchup against Boston after that. Last week, though, I also highlighted the top line's young rookie right winger, Dominic Simone. The common thread? I'll say it for you. Sidney Crosby still the best player in the NHL for my (laughs) money. I like that they have not been afraid also to throw Tristan Jerry in the nets, with the exception of his last start that tough day against Boston. He's been very effective and has given his team a chance to win each time out and really spelled Murray, an uh, important consideration as well in the goaltending tandem there.
0: Yeah, and don't sleep on 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 Riley Shahan, who's uh, actually started to to find his groove a little bit now. It's not uh, quite as consistent as, as a lot of people would hope, but he's got three points in his last four games. The shots on goal here are the biggest concern. He's got just three uh, in that stretch, so he's not putting a lot of pucks on net. Uh, but his role has kind of shifted around a little bit. Uh, he's gotten some looks with, you know, uh, Kessel and Sheary and Gunsel, names that a lot of our listeners will be familiar with. And so, uh, you know, he, the lines change for this team during games. So while you might enter a game and see like Kunako, Sheehan, uh, and Reeves as the fourth line, that's definitely not solidified throughout the game. So it might be worth consideration. He's going to have low, uh, low costs in daily contests probably can pick him up in season long Um, but yeah Paul to your point it's nice to see Crosby start getting going a little bit Uh, four points against the Islanders three points against Boston obviously the goals still aren't there uh, you know compared to uh, last season where he won the Rocket Trophy Uh, but producing in some format is all you really hope for when you have Sid the Kid
1: In San Jose, the right-wing deployment deserves some commentary from me. First, I noticed Joel Ward on the fourth line, but uh, for the last several years, he's been a guy who not only played a regular shift but earned power play time as well. This year, his productivity has fallen off a cliff, though. In his place, Kevin LeBanc, who was actually blank last week, but holds on to that second-line role because of stretches like 10 points in eight games that preceded the last seven days, has been a factor. On defense, I admit to surprise that Paul Martin has not been reinserted from his injury absence in favor of youngsters Joaquin Ryan and Tim Heath who continue to have playing time. Maybe they just want to give Martin a little bit more of a rest, but I'm looking forward to when he gets paired up with Burns again and hopefully spurs his uh, more famous and notorious playing partner into even higher level play.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a concerning uh, uh, situation for me as well uh, and very confusing. I mean, yes, Paul Martin's getting up there a little bit. He's 36 years old, but uh, whenever he's been in the lineup he's just been a defensive mainstay for every team that he's played on, and so uh to see him sitting out is a little bit of a, a shock to me and Then Paul, I have to give you a little bit of uh, uh grief here. You missed a clear pun opportunity there saying Kevin Lebank has been LeBlanked of late on the score sheet um, but uh, a great call by you. he has a few assists over that stretch. But certainly no production, uh, you know, to what we're used to seeing from him earlier in the season.
1: Carter Hutton has excelled in taking over a larger share in the net in St. Louis, starting forward the last five games or over presumptive starter Jake Allen. This is no slight on the season long number one, though, but instead the hot hand of a solid backup that's rewarded him. Uh, up front, Ivan Barbashev has been in and out of the lineup all year long. Last week, he finally found the score sheet with three points over his last two games while playing on the top line. Someone needs to fill the left wing role in that top unit as long as Jaden Swartz is expected to be out on the shelf for another month. And right now, uh, Barbashev has the inside track on that role.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're being a little too nice to Jake Allen here. Uh, in his last three games, he gave up 10 goals, including a five-goal-allowed uh, performance against the Flyers. Uh, and so I, I think uh, while Hutton did earn it with quality play, it's not like uh, Allen was playing well at the time either. Now Hutton may have lost his uh, his hot streak there, given up four against the Islanders, but it was not overtime loss. Uh, and so his, uh, you know, stretch of non-regulation, uh, defeats continues to carry on to, to five games. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do more uh, moving forward. I think Allen obviously is still going to get the bulk of the starts. Uh, but I think Hutton may have earned himself a little bit more time. I wouldn't expect to see him start, you know, five of six games, or appear in five of the last six games like he has been, but uh, could earn himself uh, a little more frequency between the pipes.
1: Boy, the Tampa story is one where I have to dig to find anything negative. I won't find it this week uh, either, unless they're concerned about Dan Girardi, who took a shot in the side of his neck uh, the other day. Tests have shown that he's going to be okay and has avoided serious injury. He might not even miss any time, in fact. They have two NHL vets on the blue line core who are in sitting in reserve in case he can't go in Braden Coburn and Andre Suster. How deep are they in front? Consider that they have their current second and third line centers. Point and Gourd are both on a 60 point scoring pace. There's no team in the NHL that can say that about the depth of their pivots either.
0: Yeah the big thing for this team is how healthy they've been for much of the season. They've had uh some injuries here and there, but they've really been able to ride that out very well. Uh and you know the one player that I'm you know not certain on is, is Jake Dodson. He's got that top pairing uh opportunity and not much to show for it of late with uh no goals, no points in his last six games. So it'll be interesting to see whether they keep him there as kind of the the contrast to Hedman uh or if they give uh, you know somebody else a, a look on that line Uh, but other than that, you know, Mikhail Sergachev has continued to, to perform well. Uh, he, you know, is, uh, you know, reached that, that mark. So Montreal is going to get some added, uh, you know, play time here or Montreal is going to get an added pick here rather. Uh, and so even Louis Domingue has looked well, looked good in his one outing, giving up just two goals in, you know, 36 shots face. So, uh, there's, there's really, uh, nothing bad to say about this team, that's for sure, Paul.
1: In Toronto, Travis Dermott finally made his NHL debut last week. This is something I had been anticipating for a while, and he really showed some pretty good skill sets to me, uh, both up front on offense, rather, and on the defensive side of the puck. As the least need to improve on their improve on their blue line. I'm pleased to see him get some work on the top pairing with Morgan Riley, but most of the time he's been out there with Jake Gardner, and I think that's a pretty good spot for him because like him or not, Jake Gardner has pretty good offensive skills too. It could be a good partnership. Dermott's quick enough too to get back when Gardner throws up one of those big miscues that he's prone to as well. A lot of people who cover this team have lamented about the absence of a true number one d-man on this roster i'd like to talk about the leafs top blue liner as morgan riley's been among the league's top scoring defensemen all year long as well as facing top opposing forwards on a nightly basis he's playing at top speed of late and sure looks like the number one blue number one blue line to me right now
0: yeah the the one uh kind of veteran player that i have some concerns about right now is patrick marlowe no points in his last four games. Uh, still seeing plenty of minutes over that stretch about 18 and a half, which is actually higher uh, than his season average getting power play opportunities. Uh, But for a guy that, you know, was consistently a top line player in San Jose uh, obviously different matchups, different fit uh, you know, really, I think this team could flip those top two lines pretty easily and not have much of a drop off either way. Um, But Marlowe kind of struggling Maybe it'd be a good opportunity to put him with Matthews for a few games, kind of get him back uh, on track before you send him back down to pair up with Kadri and Komarov again.
1: In Vancouver, how good has Brock Besser been? 40 points in 39 games for this rookie. He's far less hyped than the likes of last year's top uh, rookie classmen in Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine, but perhaps... Just as talented as those guys. If you believe in him, you'll need to know that veteran one-way player Thomas Vanek and streaking Sam Gagne, both pretty good offensive guys, are playing with him right now as his current line mates. And Gagne is on a pretty good hot streak of his own. I'm looking at this blue line also, though, to consider who might be good trade bait down the line. You look at Michael Delzado, not really injury-prone. He hasn't missed a game all year, but his offense doesn't make up for his defensive deficiency. He's a minus 16 right now, and the points are a little bit down from the pace that he's used to in his career. I might rather target a guy like a Chris Tanev, who has two years left on a $4.45 million cap hit. He suffered a tough blow the other night, losing seven chicklets in a game against the Leafs, and that was quite a spectacle to see Delzado looking around the ice, trying to pick up some of those missing teeth.
0: <laughs> well, we've talked all season long about who's getting the, the Sedin pairing and right now coming fresh off injury, it's going to be Sven Berchi uh, in that role played just 13 minutes uh, uh, on Sunday uh, in that return. But I would expect to see that creep up as he starts to get back rolling. Uh, you know, he had that, that jaw injury. Uh, that'll certainly take some time to get, you know, get back to hundred percent there. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Bocher creep up there or even for them to put these two guys back together. They seem to work really well together when they were uh, paired up. But then you have to consider who gets the Sedin assignment. And Louis Erickson just hasn't been there uh, this season to fill out that role as he has been uh, you know, last year. So uh, it'll be interesting to monitor this all season long, who ends up with the Sedins, they're obviously never going to break those guys up, and I'm certainly not suggesting they should. Uh, it just makes for an interesting situation when you have two guys who you really can't separate uh, you know, for for obvious reasons, but uh, it, it makes line combinations a little tricky.
1: In Vegas, Riley Smith continues to be targeted among the most added players in, uh, in terms of the recent roster trends because of his current streak alongside Willie Carlson on a top-scoring line. He's got 12 points in his last 10 games. So many players here are enjoying career highs with their unprecedented opportunities. Uh, that they're enjoying here. Eric, Eric Halla is another one who's a lock in the second center role with his marks of 26 po- 28 points in 37 games, rather. I'm curious to see also what they might do with James Neal, given that they found, found some of the other people who can handle the scoring load. Neal's got an expiring $5 million cap hit as a pending UFA, and I'm sure they can get a boatload of prospects or a pretty good player or draft pick in return for him. There'll be more news about him and others in this boat over the next several weeks in anticipation of the trade deadline.
0: Well, I certainly uh, agree that Neil would uh, garner some significant return and this team has focused on building for the future. Uh, But they're also putting a really good product on the ice. Now to your point, they've got a ton of guys that are going to be free agents next year, but they also have a decent amount of cap space right now, about 8 million uh, this year. Obviously that'll change a little heading into next season. So I actually wouldn't be surprised to see them try and re-sign Neal uh, before the end of the year and get him, uh, you know, locked in for, for long-term, kind of extend him out. I think he has become a key piece of this team, uh, not only on the ice, but off the ice uh, with his contributions. You know, they'll probably let a guy uh, maybe like David Perron go. That's, you know, $3.75 million that they can save for next year. Uh, you know, there's a couple guys on the blue line they need to take care of as well. Lucas Pisa, Clayton Stoner, both going to be UFAs next season. Uh, Derek Englund, obviously, for one. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked to see them uh, try and re-sign, you know, rather than trade him.
1: Over in Washington, TJ Oshie's been dropped to the third line, which is a bit of a stunner for me. But I watched him work in a game with Lars Eller on the weekend. Who not who Not so long ago, Eller was touted as a potential top six pivot in Montreal. They looked really good together, and continued success would give this offense some much-needed length as well. I'd like to also consider taking a flyer on Burakoski, who has struggled for much of the season. He's currently in a third-line role, but a recent three-point effort made me recall that he fared very well in a top-six situation with uh, either pivot uh, last year in different stretches. This kid's just 22 years old, might be a good guy to take another look at if he can get uh, more minutes than he's playing with right now.
0: Well, and you've got obviously Brayton Holpe, uh between the pipes eight and one in his last nine games. Uh, the goals against average is actually a little high for him. 2.71 in those outings. But uh, obviously the, the key here is the wins. He seems perfectly on track to have another 40 win season. That would be his fourth in a row. Uh, and so everything seems to be clicking on the back end. And that always seems to be the case for this team. They're going to make the playoffs and it always comes down to, to what happens uh, then. I mean, honestly, as, as a comparison, uh, they're kind of like the, the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, at this point of uh, the, the, M, uh, the NHL you really don't start paying attention until the playoffs start. What are you going to do once, once you get there? Uh, The Cavaliers have obviously had significantly more success than Alexander Ovechkin in the Capitals, but it really has gotten to a point where the regular season doesn't matter for this team. Uh, We've seen them succeed uh, constantly a couple president's trophies over the last several years. Uh, And so for me, uh, as far as, you know, watching them play, I really don't tune in. I don't know about you, Paul, but uh, you know they're going to be there, uh, and it's what they can do in the postseason.
1: in uh, Winnipeg. The story centers around Connor Hallibuck. He was defined recently as the fantasy steal of the first half of the season. <coughs> if excuse me, if you listen and acted on my preseason take, he's probably one of your season long uh, team stars. Uh, the opposite story of how I defined the Oilers earlier in this pod with the struggles of Talbot has had there a high end goalie has them poised for a big season in Winnipeg. On defense, Jacob Truba is another player to watch in the coming weeks as he's a pending RFA on a team that's got big dollars committed to other D-men going forward. He's on the top pairing right now, but I think he's there's untapped potential here that's capable of producing more than the 16 points we've seen out of him in his first 43 games played this season.
0: Well, I, if you need a guy in season-long contests that's uh, going to get uh, some opportunities for a little bit here, Jack Rozalovich, uh is a, a great pickup. He was a, a 25th overall pick in the uh, 2015 draft. With the Moose this season, he's got 35 points in 31 games. He had 48 points last year. Uh, prior to that, Miami University, Miami of Ohio University, uh, put up numbers there as well. Has just two NHL games under his belt, so it certainly would be a bit of a, a, a long shot on him or, or uh, maybe not a long shot, but a, uh, a contrarian pick if you will. Uh, but I think he has all the talent to really produce. He's going to get possibly third line center role, uh, with Adam Lowry out. But even if Lowry's healthy, Rosalovec should figure into the lineup as long as Shifley's, uh, you know, sideline. So, uh, a player that could maybe help out your team, especially in season long for a couple of weeks here until they get Shifley back.
1: And time to give our nod to our friends at FanDuel AJ with some football talk. Fantasy football is there for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week still now that we're in the playoffs. No busted seasons, in fact. Something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting from just as low as a dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. You know what? We saw the week one in the wildcard weekend. Uh, I really looked at uh, this and saw... No surprises, I got to say. One of the most boring games I've ever seen, though, is the the uh, Buffalo game against Jacksonville. It was tough to watch AJ. That was, <laughs> that was like a soccer game for me, and you know how much I don't like watching soccer, so not, not very good. But looking ahead, I'm I'm I've got to think: Is there a more automatic parlay than picking? Uh, Atlanta over Philadelphia, New England over Tennessee, and Pittsburgh over Jacksonville. I mean, the only toss-up for me right now, it looks like New Orleans and Minnesota, but I'll give the visitors the nod in that one. I'm curious to see how you see the ongoing slate and if you saw anything that I didn't in the first round of the playoffs.
0: Well, I I guess I wouldn't put it uh, quite so cut and dry uh, in those situations. I think Falcons-Eagles will be a little bit closer game uh, than you would imagine, uh, you know, Saints, Vikings, to your point, I think is the biggest toss up here. But the the other side is what really uh, intrigues me the most. You know, you've got perennial powers in Pittsburgh and New England who are always in the mix here. And, you know, it'd be interesting. To, it's interesting to see if the Titans and the Jags could maybe knock them off uh, this season. Certainly, he'll, you'll get good odds on, on both those matchups if you take them. Uh, but I, I do think Those games may not be quite as uh, shut and closed as you might put them uh, to throw out some quick odds since we're talking about it. The Patriots are minus uh, 875. The Steelers are minus 350. Uh, So if you want to take a flyer on either of those teams, you get some pretty good return on your investment there.
1: And remind our listeners that over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com rw. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com rw. Of course, these contests are void where prohibited. All right, let's get into our FanDuel DFS segment. AJ, why don't you run through tonight's schedule for us?
0: All right, so we're starting off with the Jets at Buffalo. You've got Winnipeg minus 165 in this contest. Vancouver at Washington caps minus 235 for the big uh, one-sided contest tonight. Uh, Chicago at Ottawa actually has the Senators favored minus 110. As I've talked about, that's a, a home advantage uh, that has to be, you know, if Corey Crawford's playing in this game, I have to imagine the Blackhawks uh, would be favored in this outing. Then you go, uh, you know, uh, Carolina at Tampa, the Lightning minus 210. That kind of wraps up the early slate. You look at the slightly later games, the eight o'clock starts. Florida at St. Louis, the Blues, a minus 165. Edmonton at Nashville, Predators minus 170. And then Calgary at Minnesota, you've got the Wild minus 140. I think what's interesting about tonight's slate is other than that Chicago-Ottawa game, you're seeing some pretty one-sided contests, at least as far as Vegas is concerned. Uh, for me, I think the game to watch tonight is going to be uh, probably Edmonton-Nashville. Uh, you've got Connor McDavid. You've got some talent in that, that Edmonton team uh, going up against Nashville, uh, who's always great at home and has a really good uh, you know, offense, solid defense, great net minding. It could be a slaughter. Uh, I'll be honest. This could end up being a one sided game, uh, but it could also end up being very close. Uh, And so for me, that's kind of the game to watch in terms of interesting hockey. I'll be tuned in uh, for Winnipeg at Buffalo, and I'll explain why in just a minute. But, Paul, uh, for you, what games uh, stand out?
1: Well, I'm going to keep an eye on Chicago, Ottawa, almost a pre-scout on the Ottawa situation because they do face the Leafs next. But this could be a game where the offensive stars have a chance to sign because of the questionable goaltending situation with the Hawks and the injury list on the Ottawa side of things. So I, I could anticipate a high-scoring affair here, and I'd take the over in that one. And you made a point that there's some lopsided-looking matchups. Look at the lines of some of these games. If you hit on a parlay tonight, it could be a real big payoff if uh, if you get it right on the on the upside specials anyway. Uh, AJ, I'm curious to see where you go in terms of our lineups. And I took a look at your group that you put up originally. And I had three guys, uh, three guys uh, from Winnipeg, the same three guys that you included in my lineup. So I changed mine. And I'm curious to see how you defend those choices. And I'll uh, counter with mine.
0: Yeah, sorry for uh, for stealing your thunder there, Paul. Um, but for me, Uh, It all starts and stops for Winnipeg with Blake Wheeler, 7,600. And that's actually, you know, it's not quite as high as you would pay for McDavid or Stamkos. So uh, you're getting top level talent. Uh, In fact, if you look at all the centers and sort by fantasy uh, points per game right now on FanDuel, Blake Wheeler is going to be your leader in the clubhouse. So you get him for less money than those other two. uh, And you get a great matchup tonight going up against Buffalo. I counter that with Nick Schmaltz uh, of Chicago. Uh, He's just 5,200 despite, uh, you know, three goals in his last three games, Uh, an assist over there too. You go back even further. He had a three assist night against Edmonton. He's really been rolling of late. His shots could be a little bit better for my money, but they're not bad. Um, And so that's, that's kind of why I went for him. I think he's a steal at 5,200 on the wings. uh, For me, uh, I'm going to fill out that entire Winnipeg line, mostly because of, you know, the, the matchup they've got tonight. And that'll have me playing uh, Patrick line at 7,700. And then I get Kyle Connor for 4,600, very cheap discounted player. Great matchup top line assignment, uh, checks all of the boxes for what you would want to see tonight. Uh, paired up with those guys from my lineup. I've got Brock Boser, who you talked about, Paul 6,700, not a great matchup against Washington tonight. We talked about that being a little one-sided, um, but uh, this is a guy that's found a way to produce even in bad games. Jonathan Huberto also coming in at 6,700. And uh, the Blues have struggled a little bit of late. Uh, Hutton uh, hasn't, you know, we talked about that whole thing. Uh, Hutton's most recent outing wasn't great. So it should be Allen tonight, I think. But he's been struggling as well. So uh, I like the matchup here for for Huberto as well. On the blue line, this is where I saved most of my money. I'll start out with Colton Pareco for 4,700. Uh, had a a down game against Washington, but that's to be expected for a lot of players. Two outings before that had a goal and two assists, 11 shots on goal in his last three games. So he's getting the puck to the net, uh, in Florida, it's going to be a a tired, uh, Reimer most likely tonight. And so I think, uh, it's a good matchup there. Jordan or uh, for Chicago is just 3,900. He's an absolute steal. He's got three goals in his last five games, along with two assists. His shots on goal over that stretch is 14. Uh, and so putting pucks on the net, getting them to, to you know, cross the goal line there and coming in at 3,900. That's an absolute steal for tonight. The matchup's decent against Ottawa as well. And then rounding it out, Connor Hellybuck in goal against Buffalo, 7,900. Certainly there's some great other options you could fill out here, uh, you know, but for my money, for the cost of the player, uh, what he's been able to produce of late and the matchup. There's no beating Connor Hellubuck tonight.
1: And uh, on in terms of my lineup, I begin with Jonathan Taves. Now, people uh, may fade him if they think, oh, he's not among the top scoring options. But of late, he's been on fire. And I really like the matchup against a depleted Ottawa lineup, considering that Taves comes in here on a bit of a streak. And the Hawks do get up for games north of the border. They have a lot of guys from Ontario and uh, And neighboring provinces here that do get excited about games in uh, the Great White North, he's one of them. Nicholas Backstrom, a guy who's underpriced at $6,500 for tonight's matchup against Vancouver. I think he's been playing very well and consistently of late, working with Ovechkin. This could be a night where that pair goes off once again. And uh, that's a pretty cheap price tag for a guy who's the number one center in a good situation like that. I talked about Zach Parise against Calgary tonight i think this guy really gets off the schneid and and shows what he's capable of offensively he's been getting shots on goal each of his first three games but i think tonight he hits the score sheet in a big way in that matchup i like uh, tyler johnson for tampa in the matchup he has tonight against carolina playing second line minutes he's moved up from a third line role this guy is a very capable scorer and now he's put on a scoring line situation cheap value there I look at Alex DeBrincat, who's slated to play third-line minutes for the Hawks. He'll get regular turn on the power play, though, which has been pretty good for them of late. And the $5,100 his price tag. He's going to get make, take advantage of any of the opportunities he gets, and that's pretty low price tag for him. Uh, a guy who's a little more expensive in that same game, Mark Stone. He scores. To, you made the point. Some guys perform well whether their teams aren't. Mark Stone is one of those guys at the head of that class. Seventy-one hundred dollars, big dollars for him, but he's been on fire for a long while lately, and uh, I think it continues in the home tilt tonight to keep him away from the likes of Duncan Keith and other top defensive opponents there. Yeah, on the blue line, Michael Mikhail uh, Sergeyev. I almost called him Garbachev there. That would have been unfortunate. <laughs> he's
0: not, he's not still on Montreal, Paul. You don't no, need that's to. That's right. That's
1: right. <laughs> that, that was creeped into the mindset. Forty-four hundred dollars for him. As a guy who's very capable on the offensive side of the puck, Tampa's got their game in order that way, and I figure he's going to be a part of that. Another guy who's come off a recent injury situation in Nashville is Ryan Ellis. He's really come out of there, out of the blocks uh, on fire, and for $4,800, I think he's underpriced and uh, returning really good value on a top pairing that features him with Roman Yossi. That, group, uh, that pairing is a threat to score every night, and uh, he's, he's going to be prolific the rest of the way tonight. It could continue against Edmonton in a large way. And speaking of that matchup, I round up my team with Pekka, Renee and the Nets. You said there were a number of top goalie options out there. Rene is one of those for me. If I couldn't get Hallibuck, that's a pretty good 1B situation for $8,300. I'm curious, AJ, what does the Optimizer have in, star- in store for tonight's games?
0: Well, the Optimizer is going to pay the big, big price tag tonight for Connor McDavid at 8800 Hard to fault uh, anybody for for going that route. Uh, Now, what you do to fill that out is where the optimizer can certainly come in handy. You've got Kyle Turris for 4,900. He's faring well in Nashville. The only thing I don't like about this pick uh, from the optimizer uh, has to do with the goaltenders, and I'll just talk about that right now. The optimizer also wants you to use Cam Talbot for 7,900 tonight. I don't like uh, putting players against my netminder in my lineup. I think it uh, kind of shoots yourself in the foot. You want one guy to produce well, but the other one to stop all the goals. It, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, so if I'm using the optimizer, I might exclude all of the Nashville players if I'm, if I'm locked in on Cam Talbot tonight. At wing, it's got Patrick Kane for 8300 as well as Brandon Saad for 5900 Saad seems like a little bit of a, a steal at that price tag, uh, especially when you consider he's got two goals and four assists in his last four games. His shots on goal over that stretch is 14. So uh, definitely putting pucks to the net 5,900 seems like a steal. And then the other two wingers are going to be Sam Reinhardt for 3,800 and Ryan Strom for 3,600. I looked at both of these guys' numbers. uh, For a second, I thought it was a glitch, but it's not. Uh, In their last five games, both guys have put 14 shots on goal. Uh, They're getting third-line assignments, but also some power play looks as well. So for less than $4,000, I, I actually like both of these picks for these guys. Uh, obviously, the matchups aren't great. One's going up against my goalie, Heli in Sam Reinhardt, and Strom's going up against your goalie in Peggy Rennie. Uh, rounding out the defense, Eric Carlson for $7,000 uh, co- against Corey Crawford. Not a pick that I love, but Corey Crawford's not between the pipes. So Eric Carlson, uh, still a decent option there. And then Oscar Kleffbaum for Edmonton at 4,800, uh, second pairing, uh, power play guy. And then, as I said, Cam Talbot in the goal, uh, I don't hate that pick. Uh, you know, I try to avoid Nashville at home, but every time I seem to say that in this pod, Nashville tends to lose. So maybe I'm a jinx for them in that. Like I said, I don't like the Kyle Terrace against uh, Talbot in this lineup so it might be some things that shake up if if you make that change but otherwise uh some definite uh things that i like about what the optimizer has done tonight
1: and we remind our listeners don't forget to check out our daily pods from monday to friday where we'll continue to cover all four major north american sports all year round in our dfs uh, week, daily work where we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day time to turn to our stud of the week easy pick for me and patrice bergeron four goal game and a, an assist last week. This guy's an annual Selkie contention candidate, and you know that. But he's got a real good offensive upside. Then you remember all his international success, and you recognize what kind of a unique player he is and has been. He really showed that in spades last week. He can play against any of the top centers and pose an instant matchup headache because not a lot of the top offensive pivots can play on the defensive side of the puck like him. So he really gives Boston an advantage night in and night out. And it's long overdue that we highlight a guy like that, uh, a real fantasy stud.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at what he's done over his career. The one season since 2009-10 that hasn't come up over 50 points for him, was the lockout-shortened 2012-13 campaign, and he put up 32 in those 42 games. Uh, his shooting percentage tends to be right around the double-digit mark, so you absolutely like that as well. And this season's no different. 32 points in 35 games, a 12.2 shooting percentage. He gets uh, looks on the power play. Those numbers are a little down so far this year. Five goals and four assists with the man advantage, but those will definitely come. It's really hard to knock any aspect of his game, too. He's a physical player. He's a pest on the ice to play against. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's just a great uh, combination. And it's why he's one of the best players uh, in the league.
1: In terms of the rant of the week, Buffalo flopped as the site of the World Junior Championships. I don't want to hit too close to home here because I know you're a Buffalo guy, AJ, at heart. (laughs) I watched the World Championships over the holidays and noted the small crowds for much of the games. I don't even know that you can blame the prices, which average about $40 a seat here. It's a major blow to the event, in my opinion, and it's indicative of prices maybe reaching a saturation point Also, it might be something that the organizers have to rectify in terms of locating this thing. Next year, a good pick to go to Vancouver shouldn't be a problem. Maybe it's the fact that four tourneys in the Eastern Canada hubs and now Buffalo have overexposed the event in in these parts in recent years. It could be the weather, too. Many countries, I think, are now feeding junior hockey uh, players into the NHL, so it might be time to look again overseas to see if there's a country that can really spice up this event and uh, draw some interest and fill the stadiums more than they did in Buffalo last week.
0: Well, so the the one concern I have about moving it overseas is, you know, I certainly agree, Paul, there there were not uh, uh, enough fans, in my opinion, at the games, but if you move it overseas, You have to worry about the games and the time of day that they're going to show in Canada and in North America in general. So that's definitely a concern because by having it when they did, uh, they could have, you know, you could have hockey on during the day and some of the other matchups. And then they were able to have primetime contests uh, on TV. So that's definitely something that has to be considered. To your point, Vancouver, I think, is a great spot to have it. It gets it away uh, from, you know, the East coast, the kind of, uh, same, uh, area built some new, uh, you know, new opportunities for a new set of fans to go to games, but keeps it in a time zone that's kind of serviceable, uh, to, you know, primetime matchups. And so I think it'll be a good fit. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if they can get any draw from the Seattle area with talk of that being the next expansion town, uh, that, you know, it might be well played there, uh, as well so I agree uh, maybe uh, less attendance it, it didn't really pan out in Buffalo this year uh, but it, it, it has uh, some good upside heading into next season
1: well that wraps up this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ folks remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter follow me Paul Bruno at Statsman22 and you can follow AJ at AJ Scholes 24 we certainly hope you enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates injury news and other topical information from around the NHL when we get together next Tuesday for the next episode of PuckCast so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody.